He runs a 4-4 and can leap out of the gym, but can he play guard? This is the push-off. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Push Off Podcast. It's your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week and to get you ready for the NFL draft. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us, as always, it's Dan declining to weigh in today. Right. Dan's not hitting, not going to hit the uh, um, the scale. Yeah, I, I would naturally come in over 204, just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> uh, uh, I wouldn't have a lot of trouble hitting that weight again next week. Yeah. Well, sorry, hitting over that weight next week. <laughs> but pro days, we got pro days um, mm-hmm. on the on the uh, the tap now. Uh, got to see Alabama, Ohio State, the big QBs and the big arms throwing to the wide receivers. The one big thing, um, or the Ohio State one, is everybody being, "Geez, Marvin Harrison Jr. can't wait till that guy's draft eligible." You gotta love when you're probably gonna be the number one, number two, or number three overall pick in the draft, and everybody's like, "Get the fuck out of the way! Let's look at this guy we can't draft yet." <laughs> yeah, like that's gotta make you feel so good as uh, you know Stroud. It's like, come on, man, I'm a fucking quarterback. Can I get a little love here? But right. yeah, Harrison Harrison looked filthy. I mean, in fairness, wide receivers out of Ohio State for the past five years, disgusting, right? Looking pretty disgusting. good. As you talk about yeah. uh, Smith and Jigba, yeah, we talked about him. Smith and Jigba is the best one in this class. Last year, Garrett Bradbury was, or uh, sorry, uh, Garrett Wilson was probably the best in that class. Chris Olave wasn't fucking bad either. So yeah, they've just been putting studs in, man. Every every past couple years, it's crazy. Well, you kind of talked about uh, Smith and Jigba's speed and his uh, what was it, his ten yard? What do they call those? Those were the, ten that, yard split. Split that came out kind of low shuttle. for him. Do you worry? Does that worry you? No, no, because his shuttle was so good. Okay. You know, I'm not worried about him getting... So the worry was that he would run somewhere in like that Jarvis Landry 4-6 range. Okay. Right? That's where you worry. You're not worried about his quick burst. You're worried about the fact that he can get to that top speed because he is so quick laterally. Like, we saw his 10-yard split. Sorry, we saw his three-cone drill. We saw his shuttle. His agility is out of this world you worry that he's not going to be able to reach that top-end speed for streaks and goes. But coming in at a 4-4-5 or 4-5-0 flat, that's plenty fast enough. Doesn't that's more mean, than enough. Yeah, doesn't mean this guy isn't still an elite prospect this week uh, or this year. That's C.D. Lamb speed, honestly. Like, it's C.D. Lamb. It's a little fa- It's a little slower than Justin Jefferson. 4-4-4-5 four, 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 is plenty fast enough to play in the NFL, especially at 6-1. Yeah. Um. We've had 18 uh, total prospects, and we're on uh, today to discuss uh, another group, the interior offensive lineman. We have one, two, three, four, five, six. I got a six or seven? Seven. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Seven guys to talk about this evening. Um, so we're going to hit on those guys and talk about the interior of the offensive line prospects uh, today. But first, this is really quick since the last time we've been on there. I'll get you 
the bigger signings that we've had so far. Um, your Cowboys picked up running back Ronald Jones, Dan. It's fine. I mean, you know, we're probably going to need to address the running back position in the draft, but I, I love the Cowboys offseason so far because what do, what do I always say about the draft, Scott? Who do you who do you take? Best player available. And you can only take, honestly, you can only take best player available if you don't have a gaping hole in your roster, which the Cowboys really don't right now. You know, you might have some guys you want to move on, but you don't have to reach if you've actually got a little bit of depth and a little bit of stability at every position, which the Cowboys now do. I'm a, I'm a little concerned about our interior defensive line, but that's only the thing I've been saying for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. You want to go into the draft without uh, any glaring needs so you can move around, pick who you want, go after the guys that are for your future. Um, Ugh, you remember when <laughs> I had to watch the Cowboys in Nashville draft Tristan Hill over Juan Thornhill? Do you remember how fucking disappointed I was? Do I remember that specific moment? I don't know, but I know that, uh, yeah, you were waiting I, for a safety then that, that weekend. Uh, and they were good safeties. They Chauncey were, Gardner-Johnson was available. Listen, this year there will be some really good ones that the, that the Cowboys will, will pick up pass to. You know there <laughs> they'll will. Pa- they'll pass on them. They, just, oh, they hate interior D linemen and safeties. They're just like, will you play for a dollar? Like, yeah, no, we'll get them around the yeah around the late rounds. Um, other yeah. guys signed this uh, week. Um, Adam Thielen's going to Carolina. He's going to Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, says he wants to go with a winner, but if you look at the money, he's probably got his best deal there. Um, the uh, Texans tight end Dalton Schultz going to Houston. Um, that's your old guy. Uh, the Jets signed wide receiver Miko Hardman. And the Jaguars are bringing in running back Dearness Johnson. Now, Dearness Johnson came in a couple times for me in f- oh, yeah. uh, fantasy uh, last yeah, year. I remember. Yeah. So, yeah, these guys moving on to uh, the Jets with Miko Hardman. Now, they picked him up because they move Elijah Moore to the Browns in a trade. The uh, Jets are going to get a 2023 second rounder. So, a second rounder this year from the Browns for Elijah Moore. Browns are getting a third rounder back with the wide receiver. Yeah, that's actually not a not a fantastic trade for the Jets, but whatever, man. If you if you don't have room in your wide receiver room, I I guess get whatever value you can. Yeah. But the fact that you're giving up a third and a wide receiver for a second, I I don't know. I don't love it. I remember Elijah Moore coming out. Um, good talent. The guy is uh, a speedy guy, and he gets open, um, breaks tackles. But he he's a smaller guy. If you can't use those guys, if you don't find a place for him on your roster. He, they kind of waste their time there, so maybe he works better in in uh, in Cleveland than he will than he were, did in New York. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if this is a pretty decent wide receiver class, which we've talked about, um, so maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're saying, "Hey, we like a couple guys, uh, you know, somewhere here in the high end of the second round. I think we have a chance to replace Elijah Moore." Um, if, but once again, this is not drafting for best player available. This is kind of going, Hey, we're going to need to fill a need here at the wide receiver position. Cause you know, unless you're absolutely going after OBJ, right. Um, Michael you know, Hardman, they, might they just signed, like I said, and then, uh, but, they also brought in uh, the other guy from green Bay. I mean, these are all Rogers guys. Lazard. Yeah. yeah Lazard. But I mean, I just, I don't understand why, why you get rid of a 22 year old speedster right. that you drafted in the second round two years ago. Different uh, coordinators now too. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. true. Um, different different regimes. The last thing is uh, the news on Foster Moreau. This is a bummer. He's going to be stepping away yeah. from football for a few years as he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer during the physical to join the New Orleans Saints. 
um, which apparently isn't the flat first time Saints have found stuff about players. There was like a heart uh, issue or something like that with another player. They said something happened. So good on the Saints for finding this. And uh, Foster yeah. Moreau will have to get some treatment done. Yeah, the Saints are like, hey, man, we're not going to completely destroy our salary cap for the next five years if you've got health issues. <laughs> like, we want we want clean players to fuck our cap up about. Yeah, they'll find their um, own way. Yeah. I mean, the strangest thing for me is John Mechie, right? We talk, I believe John Mechie also had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma last year. That, if I'm not... Oh, sorry, leukemia. Leukemia. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's super sad stuff when that happens. You know, fuck cancer and all that. Um, that's the news, Dan. We are here for one reason truly, and that is to discuss guards and centers. Uh, we are talking yeah. the interior offensive line. It's weird. This is like the first year in maybe five that the Vikings aren't like de- pounding the table saying, you got to get me one of these, you know, immediately. But yeah, we still need one. I mean, everybody always needs, you can always take another guard or center, I'm assuming. There's three spots. It, you know, guard center is always a sort of interchangeable thing. Like it's it, when you think tackles, you're like a left tackle is kind of its own position. And then like guard tackle, like guard swing, like right tackle guard swing. You can do that. And then center guard is a weird combo, but like there's at least three positions on every team. Guard, guard center, at least three. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what offense you run. Guard, guard, center. You got to have a good one at every position. Otherwise, you're going to get pressure up the middle, especially with a good three or a zero. Yeah, middle pressure sucks. You can't do a lot of stuff with that. Ask Tom Brady. That was his kryptonite in all those years that he played. Um, We've got a look here at some interior guys. I've got my guess on how you have them ordered, and I think I'm going to do pretty good this time. I think I'm going to do pretty good. Okay. Um, And we got to see if there's any elites. Obviously, we've had two so far. We talked about Jackson Smith and Ajigba. Last uh, time was the tight ends, and Michael Mayer was an uh, elite one for Notre Dame. So on to the list here for interior offensive linemen, Dan. Do you want me to just guess, or do you want to say something ahead of time about these guys? So this is this year specifically. um, We've talked about this a lot, that I watch a lot of film on these guys, Mm -hmm. you know, destroying my marriage and personal time. Uh, watching film on 22 and 23, and in some cases, 25-year-old men, um, you know, while they play college football. Never 24-year-olds. Never. No, never 24. <laughs> um, but the weird thing this year was it was really hard to find film on a lot of these guys. So you said that, you know? actually, I, I was listening today. I, I got a chance to go out and get some lunch, and I was listening to our recording on offensive linemen last year, and you said kind of, too, you go, I've had a hard time finding the offensive linemen. So maybe this is a, uh, yeah, the people who who splice together these uh, tapes things for us on YouTube. Maybe maybe they're not falling in love with these offensive linemen the last few years. Maybe maybe it's something we need to do. Should I abandon my family and job? <laughs> if, and if it helps, just you make highlights with of interior this, guards. If it helps you with this, yeah, then yes, obviously that's the correct answer. <laughs> Well, it's a decision that I need to make. You know, uh, clearly I'm on the fence about it. Now, I'm, so the tough thing is it's it's very hard to watch guard play yeah. independent of the entire offense, right? Especially, like, you can kind of watch a tackle because they get as deep, like, even when you're watching the quarterback, you can see the tackles doing their shit, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes the cameraman will actually be like, nope, just let me look at what the quarterback is doing and I'm going to lose the center a little bit, especially if he's anchoring well. Sure. So. I don't like watching highlights. You know how much I don't like watching highlights because it's always just good shit. It's hard to like 
pick the bad stuff. But I had to watch a couple highlights with these guys because I all I could really find was the all-22 footage. And, uh, oh boy, watching interior guard play on the all-22 footage um, on a two-hour game, uh, it gets old pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> it gets yeah. old pretty quick. Well, so, and obviously, yeah, we're talking guards. We're talking, that, yeah, there's a lot of communication stuff that takes place. And so it's hard to to tack these guys down and say that this guy is this good for this reason. So I get that. Um, but we'll do our best tonight. Um, yeah. All right. So number one, um, I think, and from what a lot of the ratings are on here, well, first of all, talk a difference between guards and centers sometimes with these guys. The top two guys, I think there's one main guard and one main center that are coming out on top of these um, that we're talking about, at least. There's another guy mm-hmm. kind of up in there that we're not. For this one on your list, I'm saying your number one is out of Florida, Osiris Torrance. Barely. Oh, okay. Okay, but he is. Barely. Yeah. It is. I will honestly give you, if you had gone either way with this, like, I would have been sure. like, yeah, he's my number one. Okay. That's my number one. Because they're so fucking, they're so, did I say so fucking close? <laughs> Am I getting Irish in my old age? Uh, but these two guys are so fucking close. And they're close for very different reasons. So yeah. uh, I, I guess since I kind of gave it away to a degree, I want to talk about Osiris Torrance and kind of John Michael Schmitz. Who's your number Right two? on yep. top of and each John other. John Michael Schmitz is the center. Yep. So, uh, very very different sort of humans. Um, <laughs> Osiris Torrance, six foot five, three thirty, big motherfucker, <laughs> big motherfucker. Um, in the run game, this guy is absolutely walloping motherfuckers. Um, it, he actually faced against uh, what was his name? Uh, Jalen, what's his nuts? Who's my dude? Uh, Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Oh, yeah. There's a game against Jalen Carter out of Georgia. He did about as well as you can do against Jalen Carter playing that right guard position for Anthony Richardson as the quarterback. Big guy. It's funny because he has the build of what you would think would be a tackle, but he doesn't really have the foot speed, the quickness, or the lateral agility. He's got good punch, um, but I feel like he still needs a lot of technique work. Mm. You know, he spent three years as a starter at Louisiana as a Ragin' Cajun and then transferred over uh, and became a starter in Florida. But... um, yeah, I, I still feel like there's some technique shit, but the raw physical abilities this guy has might turn him into one of the better guards in the league, honestly. But he does have a tendency to get a bit over his toes when he's blocking, um, especially in the pass game. Uh, he can anchor pretty well against direct rush and hands the hands the rusher off pretty well to the center or the tackle. Um, but his pass pro is not elite. He will maul somebody in the run game, but when he's pass blocking you can see like if you mix up your moves on him you can get around the guy because he just doesn't have that great lateral quickness so if i think one of the ways you can exploit osiris torrance is if you have a nine wide pass rusher and you have to put your tackles on an island it'll give your defensive tackles room to kind of move to the outside or right shoulder of Osiris Torrance, and I think he's going to have a lot of a lot of difficulty there uh, because his hips aren't fantastic. I think that's why he's in his guard, but he's a physical presence. Um, you know, feet are good enough to play at the professional level. Punch is good enough to play at the professional level. He's not a he's not a grabby uh, guard, which I really like. I mean, he's a good puncher. He really gets guys set back on their feet. So there's a lot to like about Osiris Torrance, and there's a lot to improve for him too. So if you're taking Osiris Torrance in the first round, especially, you know, probably late first round, I don't think it's a bad pickup 
but you're going to need to get him in with a good coach because he's not going to be elite straight out the gate. Um, his mocks are putting him now. We're talking top interior offensive lineman, one of the top guys and uh, prospects in the thing. But when you're talking guards, it's a uh, late first round, maybe even second mm-hmm. round for him. Um, with that being said about him, does that mean he's not elite? He is not elite. Okay. Um, one of the things that led me to. You know, because I was liking some of the stuff I was watching on Osiris Torrance, and mm-hmm. then I watched the Jalen Carter-Georgia uh, game, and I realized that he was doing everything he could, but he was overmatched by Jalen Carter. Yeah. Um, and you kind of need these dudes on a one-on-one basis to really match the fucking guy in front of him. And, and his offensive line did a pretty good job, um, you know, dealing with Alabama all game, but he wasn't... He wasn't beating the shit out of Jalen Carter when he needed to. He, he held his own, but it wasn't impressive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, obviously Jalen Carter is a great prospect, but I need to see something. I need to see some pop on the occasional play, and it felt like Jalen Carter was winning most of the matchups. Uh, his comparison, I only got NFL.com's, which is Tyree Phillips. Uh, I would say he actually reminds me a little of Chantrell Henderson who I know played tackle for a long time okay. um, up in Buffalo. So it, it, there's a lot of physical ability. You know, uh, Chantrell Henderson was once the number one rated high school prospect, went to Miami, and then kind of didn't put it together. There's a lot of physical ability, and he keeps getting better, but he needs to make a leap because he's got to tie all of his physical tools together. Um, probably could, honestly, this is going to sound weird, he could probably uh, lose a little bit of weight, maybe like five or ten pounds. I know that sounds weird, sounds like a little catty, but if he was six five, three twenty, with the strength that he's got, I think he'd move much better. And if he did move much better, if they figured out a way to teach feet or something, could he play outside? Tackle? He could. He's got the arms to handle it. I don't think he'd ever be a left tackle, but he could probably play right side. So okay. this is another one of those. You know, he's a combo guard tackle. You know, so you can feel pretty good about taking that guy at the end of the first round because, you know, if you get a little mobility or if you really coach him up, you could move him outside to tackle. But if you don't, you can leave him inside a guard where he's got the power to sustain at the professional level. Uh, and then you said John Michael Schmitz is second, and this guy is the center, um, probably top center taken in this draft if you're looking for one. I, I think I was traumatized watching this film traumatized now why traumatized deep ptsd because john michael schmitz reminds me so much of the late great travis frederick oh now travis frederick isn't dead he's, he's still dead. alive <laughs> no he's not but he's a late cowboy he the travis frederick film if you watch it when travis frederick played at wisconsin is very similar to the some of the stuff i was watching from john michael schmitz in minnesota this super shorter short dude Sorry, I wanted to throw in his, his measurements to shorter and uh, and thin and smaller than than Osiris Torrance, six three three zero one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. He's he's a classic center though. He's actually well built at three hundred one. Like he's he's a sturdy three hundred one. He's not like a Garrett Bradbury two eighty five or whatever the fuck that was. Mm. Um, you know, he's he's a legit three hundred one. He looks like it. He's six foot three. He's a, he's a good size for an interior uh, lineman. He's a good center. Um, but yeah, he reminded me so much, dude, of of Travis Frederick. It was insane. Where he just seemed to set his feet and anchor really well on pass pro, um, was perfectly aligned on most of his run blocking plays. Um, yeah, just great fucking anchor. Whenever there was pass pro, great push. 
great at getting to the second level and isolating linebackers, which is tough for a center because they're usually not asked to do that. Um, I really liked, I really liked everything I saw out of John Michael Schmitz. The problem is the same thing that happened with Travis Frederick as you go, okay, is he about as good as he's going to be? And I think the answer is probably yes. Mm. You know, that's what happens when you have a big 10 offensive lineman. They don't get a lot better, but I mean, he's, he's probably going to be a 10 year starter in the league. So I think you can also take John Michael Schmitz somewhere in the late first round and feel really good that you've solidified one of your five offensive line positions for 10 years. Honestly, his mocks are going early to middle second. Like you can get him in day two. Uh, He's being matched up with the Titans at 41 right now. In fact, Ben Jones is the name that he's getting uh, NFL compared to. (laughs) So all Titans all around. Um, Yeah, I guess if you need a a center, um, that's the the first guy you're going to look for in this class. You're saying, so yeah, him and Torrance are like 1-1 with you here. So basically, if if you need an interior offensive lineman, you're picking around those times. Uh, pick your which one do you need more do you have a guy that can play center yet if not go go with schmitz then um nice well that makes it clearer then that makes it easier um that's that's what we got for him do you want to move on to the third one i do who do you think it is uh so i i'm gonna make a a change on the fly here i was thinking it's gonna be one guy i'm gonna say your love for buckeyes this year is luke wilper oh no sir ah okay is it well, no. did I say, since I said Welper, you want to talk about him? Yeah, let's talk about him. Um, so Luke Welper is a redshirt sophomore, right? So that's kind of impressive as an offensive lineman. He's been very, very good um, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, here's the thing. He's only a guard. He's not a center. Okay. I don't think he's a center. Um, I, I think he is really overpowered by larger men. Um, which is bad if you're on, sitting on the interior line. So I, Luke Weipler is is not a strong body, is not a strong anchor. He has, I mean, I know the NFL.com comparison is Garrett Bradbury, and it's pretty honestly true. Um, I know he's the same weight uh, that we were talking about with Schmitz, mm-hmm. but he doesn't look it. it. It's not a sturdy 303. He gets pushed back pretty often. Um, on bull rush and power. And so if you have a guy like that on the center position, if he's not getting help at the guard level, he's going to be in the quarterback's lap, and that's problematic. So he's going to need to add strength for maybe a year or two to really be an effective offensive lineman. I thought if maybe he spent another year at Ohio State, maybe came out as a redshirt junior, he'd probably have a little better grade, but he needs to add strength. Um, He's got very short arms. You can kind of tell because when guys start moving laterally on him, he has a tendency to kind of get to the outside of them, uh, and that's problematic, so he's going to be left with a few more holds. Mm. And so I I just don't love the top-end ability of a guy like Luke Weipler because he doesn't strike me as a physically imposing presence. Smart enough guy, been a two-year starter at Ohio State, but I have him rated somewhere in a, like an early third-round grade. He was... Um... He was a center at Ohio State. He was their center, but you're saying you'd move him to guard because comparisons are, I mean, Garrett Bradbury's NFL.com and Draft Network, Jake Grove, which was the Dolphins center. I would move him to guard, and I would make, sounds awful, I would move him to guard, and I would make sure that it is only as a guard in the zone blocking scheme. Oh, yeah, okay. 
He's a, he's a zone guard. I don't even think he's a zone center. I think he's a zone guard. Now, maybe if he corrects a couple issues, you know, like if he corrects, he had some uh, snap issues um, early on, like two years ago. It seemed like he got most of those corrected. But if if this is a guy that you want to be your every down center, I don't think he calls pass pro super well. Like you can watch some of the, the tackle play. I feel like those offensive linemen are kind of figuring shit out on their own. It doesn't feel like Wipler's like setting them up for success. They're just physically stronger than most defenses they're running against. Okay. He uh mocks though have him certainly a drop off from the first two guys we talked about. Those guys were talking end mm-hmm. first, second. This guy is a day three or not a day three guy. He's a third round guy probably. Um yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. They have him as like pick sixty seven, yeah, things around there. Um, so third round, maybe the third or fourth center taken out, um, even though you're talking guard now. So that'll, that'll change where he gets taken to, uh, based on what yeah. players think he can do. Um, if you want to take him at center, he's still well behind, uh, the guy I have ranked ahead of him. Can you guess? So the one that I had prior to this, but they have him very close in mock. So I'll say him. Is it Joe Tipman? It is Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman, Wisconsin. Okay. I think Joe Tipman is a round better. I think Joe Tipman is actually somewhere in the mid-second round uh, in terms of his abilities. Great body size. Um, six foot six, three thirteen, but it doesn't look lumpy. Um, he's a Wisconsin offensive lineman, mm-hmm. which means worst-case scenario, he plays for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to get quality out of the Wisconsin offensive line. Uh, he's athletic enough at that size that... I mean, he's he could easily flex out to center. He could flex out to guard. I think there's a little tackle in Joe Tipman. Wow. The thing that I loved watching this guy is, like, this guy feels like a swing offensive lineman completely, like top to bottom. He's got the physical abilities. He's got enough lateral quickness. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing is just he plays super high. He plays super high. It seems like he's kind of overpowering guys, but once again, you know, when we're talking about Osiris Torrance, you go, well, what can you get out of his physicality? A guy like Joe Tipman, you can unlock a lot more. You can go get this guy in the second round, and he has a higher ceiling, I think, than John Michael Schmitz. He's a big guy, yeah, 6'6", 313. That's why he feels like he's going above everybody. Does it kind of feel like that with centers, or at least this guy was playing center for Wisconsin, that at a certain height, you're almost too tall to play center because you need that low... The best centers we almost see are the guys who are like their their anchors so far down there that uh, they get that hike out and then they're they're shooting up and not out. Uh, so I I think there have been really good tall centers. Um, I can name a cowboy. Andre Garad mm-hmm. was a pretty good tall center. He was about six six. I Joe Tipman reminded me a lot of Andre Garad. Okay. You know, good strength. Like, when Garad came out, they're like, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Is he a center? Wound up playing center for a number of years until Albert Hainsworth was a bitch and stepped on his face. <laughs> That's right. Um, the comparisons for Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin I have is NFL.com says Josh Myers, and Draft okay. Network says Mitch Morse. I like the Mitch Morse. Yeah. Yeah. Center yeah, from Yeah, that makes sense Buffalo. to me. Um. Yeah, Joe Tim in Wisconsin. I mean, we're talking these big guys from these schools: Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, the Big Ten. They know how to make the big boys. Um. But after this guy, I think your next one. Again, oh, uh, we talk about the drop down. You have him in the second round. The mocks are having him around where Wildpost's going in the third. 
I I would be very surprised to see Weipler go before him. Honestly, I just think the ceiling is so much higher. Okay. Um, after Joe Tipman in, in our list of guys, uh, I think the next one on your list is Andrew Voorhees. That is correct. Although I actually have Voorhees rated above Weipler. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So Weipler is a surprise. Okay. Now Voorhees, yep. I brought this up to you. We talked about him a little bit before the uh, taping because. I was kind of surprised to see him drop so much without really looking into it, but why is he dropping Dan? He tore his ACL in the combine. That's right. Yeah, so he's been he's hurt. Which and means he's toast. Yeah, he won't play at all this year, right? You can't get an offensive lineman's ACL probably fixed that quick, right? You might be able to, but he's going to miss all of OTAs. He's going to miss all of offensive install. He's going to miss so many reps as a rookie that it's almost like, hey, do we really want to rush this fucking guy? Ah. But once again, this is a guy physically, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about Tipman. We're talking about Voorhees. When you take a guy like Voorhees, you go, hey, we can sit him for a little while. He's not going to get shorter, right? He's still six foot six. He's still 310 pounds. This is a big dude. He was a five-year, that's right, five-year <laughs> Starter at USC. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Especially because so he's got a ton of experience. USC. I mean, they had uh, Elijah Vera Tucker there just a couple of years back. Yeah. Voorhees was starting on the other side. Yeah, he was. Um, Voorhees, strangely enough, 24 years old. Dang. So, yeah, I did watch a little 24 year old film right here. <laughs> there um, but, yeah, I mean, he's an older guy. So, you know, you feel like technically. He's probably where he's going to be, right? Yeah, as a five-year starter, you've got enough bad habits that, you know, what are we really going to do to break that shit down? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, this is another guy that at six foot six kind of has T-Rex arms, so he does not have that, that tackle kick-out ability. It just doesn't feel like it. Um, and I think this is a knock on him, but I think this is more coaching as well. Um, I think he has he's a bit of a catcher. Right, we talked about that difference in the offensive line play. Like, do you punch? Do you catch? Yeah. And I like my interior guards to have a good heavy fist on a first punch. Mm-hmm. And he seemed like a guard that was more pass pro based, kind of you know dancing and mirroring, which is more tackle technique. Um, so I worry that some of the guys that are you know coming at him with bull rush and speed are kind of going to be able to get over the top of him just because he's not prepared for that. He's he's trying to catch, and they're going to be able to you know pop him with leverage. Yeah, looks like his arms are short. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting guy, Voorhees. He was mocked in the second round, um, kind of like where we were putting uh, almost John Michael Schmitz in an, an instant, mm-hmm. but his injury is knocking him down to like they're mocking him around the fourth round. Offensive lineman, interior guy, especially if you're talking about your second round pick, uh do you take a flyer on a guy like this that you know you're not going to have for maybe one year, but you might have for another 15 after it? In, in the fourth or fifth round, I would absolutely take a guy like Andrew Voorhees. The ACL injury, the fact that he's probably athletically limited, yeah. um, and that he's 24 years old. So, you know, you're basically saying, hey, we're going to take an entire year for you to rest, right? Recover. And then you're going to come back and you're going to be 25 years old. Yeah, I don't think a 25 year old is worth a third round pick. Yeah. You know, I think a 25 year old might be worth a fifth round pick. Um, you know, take a flyer on the guy, but with that injury, you're basically losing a year, even though I think he is a better player than Weipler. I think he's a better prospect coming out than Weipler, but I think he's probably going to go somewhere in the fourth or fifth round, late fourth, fifth round. Comparisons. NFL.com said Tevin Jenkins, 
he was like a tackle though coming out, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a tackle. He's a right tackle. And Draft Network uh, said Robert Hunt from the 2020 draft. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually having a hard time kind of placing where I saw Voorhees because he is a he reminded me a little like a like a dancy tackle, um, and, except playing guard. And I was like, I'm trying to think like who is a fucking who is an oversized guard that's like probably like a slim or thin build, and I couldn't place it. He's like 85 percentile in his 40 yard dash for offensive linemen. So yeah, he's a speedier kind of well. He didn't run for it. the inside. Oh, this must be from a different. Yeah, that was yeah. the anticipated forty time. Oh, all right. I'm yeah, not, but he never ran it because he he fucked his shit up, dude. Yeah, <laughs> duh. All right, so there's only two guys left. Um, I mm-hmm. don't have any comparisons for these guys. They're a little bit further down the line again as we go on this list. Uh, the next one I think you have though is Notre Dame's Jarrett Patterson, Nick Brocker. Ah, Nick Brocker will miss. Okay, well, which one do you want to go with first? So I want to talk a little bit about Nick Brocker because I do have an equivalent, um, or just this is a guy that kind of kept popping into my head when I watched him play. And this is odd, right, because this is a guy that is a, you know, this is a guy that's a tackle, but Braden Smith for the Colts. Uh, Nick Brocker reminded me a lot of Braden Smith. Um, This is a guy that is in his pass set he's actually really really good I feel like this is a guy that can be a starter in the NFL with a limited upside you know this is a this is a senior interior guard from an SEC school he has handled all comers he's handled the best of the best his athletic limitations uh I'm sorry broker my apologies not not broker broker uh yeah his athletic limitations are kind of obvious um, you know, he's not a guy that you're going to put into a zone scheme. This is a guy that you want to have in like a, a heavy run, uh, offense. You know, you want him to be kind of, kind of be able to get his, his strength moving downhill. Uh, he's only 305 pounds, but carries it really well, carries it with strength and has a good first punch. So I, I liked some of the film I was watching on broker. Um, the monks don't have him that high up, Dan. They have him like a fifth round uh, guy here. I think that's true. I think that's fair. I mean, we so the funny thing is we talked about this a little bit that we picked a lot of these prospects, you know, in December and January. Like these are guys that are going to come out, and we lost like three potential first rounders that went back to college. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's some guys that you want to talk about on that list that aren't even, uh, yeah, going into the draft. So we'll get them next year. We'll get them next year. Which would be interesting, like we did with the uh, guy last week with the tight ends, Will Mallory from Miami. We got him this year yeah. and it, and it hurt him. Um okay, so Jared Patterson is does round out your the list of the guys that we're going to look at. Yep. And so Jared Patterson, I this is another guy that I think is probably going to be on the back end of an NFL roster, maybe 6th round, maybe 7th round draft pick, mm. but we're talking about a guy that for a center is a little long and lean. You know, he's 6'5", 306, very short arms, got those T-Rex motherfuckers going, <laughs> um, but was a team captain at Notre Dame, so called protections very well. This is a guy that I think um, has good initial punch. You know, is not a catcher. This is a guy that, you know, is a physical presence. I just don't know if he's got the physicality to be an every-down contributor in the NFL. You know, I feel like this is a guy that's going to make a roster. I feel like this is a guy that's going to beat people up in practice. Um, but I just, I just don't see 
the strength. I don't see the agility. I see really great technique with not a lot of upside. Okay. They have him about the sixth center you can take, though, and honestly not that far down. I'm not talking sixth round for this guy. Maybe a fourth rounder, um, 6'5", 306. Yeah. I think he'll fall just because of the athleticism. Okay. But Nick Broker, you're saying, could technically – could make him out to be a starter around that same same area in the draft. Yeah, there's some guys that you you go, well, I, I don't know when I would necessarily take him, but I feel like there's starter potential there. I don't feel like there's a ton of like consistent starter potential for Jarrett Patterson. I feel like there is consistent starter potential for Nick Broker. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have any comparisons for Patterson or for Broker, these, these last two guys that later on down the line i think they run out of comparisons to give us um weird <laughs> we did that so that's seven offensive guards that we've completed now you guys that adds to our list of the 18 that we already did dan quick math what how many prospects have we gotten through <laughs> that'd be 25 my man dang 25, 25 uh prospects um and again like we said this isn't all the guys there was a handful of guys that aren't going to go into the draft and then there's some guys that we didn't talk about that'll be in here somewhere too so let me just kind of ask you dan if you've steve avila for tcu this guy seems pretty high up mm-hmm. on mocks for interior he is he came up a little bit but yeah strong interior play he's um yeah like like an early second as well uh they're mo- mocking him around john michael schmitz after those guys cody Motch for north dakota state i think he him played I like tackle there though yeah right? he's gonna slide inside to guard and they're they're agreeing with that too they're talking about guard and then uh last one maybe we'll bring up um your uh school michigan your school the school you enjoy michigan uh you're gonna have to say this guy's name though oh uh gun <laughs> olo what me eat me eat me gun. You, you talking about ollie yeah you talking about ollie I could have just said Ollie. I'd go with that, but his full name is uh, Olu Oluwatimi. Oluwatimi. Okay, Oluwatimi. Yeah. Right. And they have him uh, projected eh, after Titman, after Wipler, but ahead of Voorhees right now. The injury to Voorhees. We've produced some pretty decent centers there mm-hmm. uh, up north. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, four-year starter, um, solid guy at Michigan. Once again, athletically limited, but has a ton of experience against pretty solid competition so those are the guys those are other guys that you're going to be hearing about along with these guys that we just uh did the deep dive with uh for you today but that's what we got for you guys uh we're jumping in here uh putting out this podcast um you're probably getting it on a on a friday lucky you guys um because we wanted yeah we wanted to do an interior offense alignment all on their own uh but we are going to be returning very shortly uh, to continue this prospect thing, because we're running out of time. we got like a month left before the draft. we got uh, some more classes to get through. So, Dan, what's the next class we want to hit? Well, we're going to stay with these big, burly babies. We're going <laughs> to stock, uh, stock ourselves up on some offensive tackles left and right. So the rest of the offensive line gets completed next time. Um, one, two, three. Uh, yeah, another like six prospects uh, get started on look, taking a look at those. We're not going to stop for you guys, the listeners. You need to know about all of these prospects so you, know, you can rule the draft as it, as it comes up in just a shade over a month, everybody. All right, but... Isn't it crazy? Ah, I can't wait. Can't wait. We're going to be in Kansas City enjoying it ourselves. So, you guys, uh, get jealous now. Um, 
Well, let's wrap up tonight's show. Thank you guys so much for joining for this special episode of Push Off Podcast. Uh, we'll be back shortly for more prospects. So uh, uh, what I would do is subscribe to this podcast so your smartphone or, you know, your wherever can just tell you, yeah, here it is. You can't miss it. Yeah, don't need to remember. It'll tell you It'll tell you yourself, man. Yeah. You're good to go. Put Turn on them push notifications for the Push Off Podcast. Um and yeah, we'll be back at that time. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining. Uh, here's some crazy stats. Um, we were we've been doing the offensive. Uh, are we doing the the picks of the the rookies here? Offensive lineman is one whole class, Dan. So this kind of takes over my one for for the next time too. But let's do that. Offensive lineman, what school owns the record for the most drafted O lineman? <sighs> it's got to be Ohio State or USC. Uh, USC is second place. With 58. Oh. Ohio State is down the list of ways with 45. Really? Yeah. Is it Notre Dame? Yes, it is. Notre Dame, 63 uh, is where they're at right now. Uh, offensive line. That's drafted. Yeah, they've been around forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do have two of the best guards in the NFL that came out of Notre Dame, so that's, that makes sense. And they, uh, yeah, they yeah, like got Zach Martin and uh, Quentin Nelson. Like started the whole draft. Like it just seemed Notre Dame was like one of the first schools getting draft picks out of the first round. Um, all right, well that's what we got. Yeah, so after Notre Dame, there's USC of fifty-eight, Nebraska and Penn State fifty-seven apiece each of them. Where's Wisconsin? Forty-three after Iowa at forty-four, Ohio State forty-eight. Five, yeah. Really, Iowa beating them. Michigan, yeah. it's, it's always funny. I have, I have such recency bias with a lot of these guys. Where I'm like, man, Wisconsin's been dumping talent in for like 20 years, but they weren't for a while. I think they put up pictures of guys that were Notre Dame, and these are all older. I mean, Bob Kuchenberg was a fourth rounder, 80 overall, to the Eagles in 1969. <laughs> okay. Oh, the Kook, baby, the Kook. Sure, yeah. Notre Dame's great. Um, and then finally, one more crazy stat I have. Um, okay, here's a question for you, Dan. Which three teams have the best home playoff win percentage? Well, it's not the fucking Cowboys. I know that for sure. <laughs> um, best? I, is it going to be weird? Is it going to yeah. be the Vikings? No, but it's going to be weird. Um, okay, well, that means it's probably not the Patriots. Right. Is would, it the Bengals? No. Um, I would think – I'll give you one more clue, and then I'll tell you. I think in terms of – uh, it's a good win percentage because there's not a lot to pull from. <laughs> the Lions? Yeah, the Lions are on this list at five and one. Oh God! Uh, technically ahead of them, the Arizona Cardinals are five and zero oh in home playoff games. Wow! Yeah, that's uh, insane. The guy who did the list had to kind of backtrack because they they chose like home teams for the Super Bowl and they counted the Cardinals like loss home Super Bowl or whatever. But that didn't okay. Uh, Lions yeah. five and one, third place. The Jaguars at four and one. Yeah, I guess it is easy to, you know, if you haven't been there a lot. If you're not you just there win much, one. and you're on in front of your home crowds in those times, that they're going to show up, they're going to cheer for you pretty loud. It's going to be hard to lose there, but yeah, there you are. That's funny. Okay, that's my crazy stats. That's our show. That's the interior offensive lineman, Dan. Parting words of wisdom. If you can't get faster. You might as well just get bigger and move inside and start pushing people around with all your physical might. Um, I've always said I have the build of a guard and the height of a safety. So, uh, you know, I find, I find myself as a, as a hybrid player. I wonder if I could play safety uh, and offensive lineman in, in some fantasy football league here. But mm-hmm. it's, it's weird 
that we don't give a lot of praise to the offensive line, but it is the core of good teams. Name me a good team that has a bad offensive line, and I will show you that you are a liar. <laughs> uh, there is not a good team that doesn't have a good offensive line out there in the NFL. You don't need to have great wide receivers. You probably should have a good quarterback, but you don't need great running backs, but you've got to have a good offensive line. The trenches, that's where it's won. Yep. All right, guys, thanks again. Thanks for j- listening uh, to the Push Off Podcast for another week. I am Scott. And this is Dan. We will see you very soon. Goodbye.